Guardian Unlimited. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to Islamophonic, the Guardian's weekly podcast on Muslim life in Britain. We've been getting quite a few comments on our blog. Some of you like our show, some of you don't. No surprise there. Here's a selection. Congratulations to the makers of Islamophonic for making a show informative and accessible enough for a lay person like me to better understand the workings of Islam and its culture. It's not only informative but also plain fun to listen to. Mr Shabir Ahmed from Watford writes... I'm a 53-year-old, semi-retired, middle-class man who regularly complains at the young. For the second time, I've listened to the podcast by Riazat, and I must confess enjoying her sense of humour and quality of information she's been bringing to the show. I hope more young people are accessing The Guardian and benefit from no-nonsense discussion on vital topics affecting the Muslim youth of today. And just to prove that we're not everyone's cup of tea... Oh my, another special on Muslims. Haven't we had enough? Allah's name be praised and all that, but don't you think the incessant focus on Muslim issues and Islamophobia, as if there's no other phobia, such as homophobia or more general racism, just serves to underline the differences between us all, as opposed to the similarities? This is a sad day for journalism. A sad day for journalism? Today we're looking at Muslim magazines... There are a few glossy monthlies available in Britain. They're a mix of political, cultural and spiritual reads and they are probably aimed at the young people we have in our studio right now. A group of clever, articulate, attractive and thrusting young Muslim students from the School of Oriental and African Studies in London. We locked them in a room with these magazines for half an hour and we've just released them so they can tell us what they think. So, Asma, what magazine have you got there? Um, we've got ML magazine, which is kind of like a lifestyle magazine. It features the heavy topics like politics and stuff, but it also has architecture, recipes, travel features, which is um, something we're not used to seeing in a Muslim context. Omar? Well, we've got uh, Q News here, which is sort of a, a topical and slightly cultural monthly. It sort of takes the format of the New Statesman or Spectator. Asma and Omar, you highlighted the differences between the two magazines. What other differences did you spot, Zane? Well, I was reading through uh, Islamica and some issues of Q News. Um, Islamica seems like a slightly weightier publication. Articles, contemporary articles about, for example, the trial of Saddam Hussein, and then you've got something about artists for schools program, Middle Eastern artists coming into British schools. Um, very kind of l- very light on the culture. And Q News, from what I've seen from these issues, uh, is quite a similar concept. Lots of issues about, you know, political issues about British Muslims and Muslims in this country. But even the culture really is only concentrating on, on uh, books which are, you know, inspired about Islamic issues or music, again, of the same sort. Nothing to do with... Uh, kind of general culture, music, film, TV, right, okay. arts, anything like that. Who do you think these magazines and uh, newspapers are aimed at? Obviously, Muslims, but... I think it appeals to sorts of um, graduate professionals, generally middle class. People you? who have actually become... Well, it, is, it, well, it seems to cater especially for people who have become quite more religious or have been asserting their Islamic identity a great deal more. Even the stuff related to Islam or to Muslims tends to be simply just religious stuff and it doesn't appeal to people who may be less religious or secular in their inclinations. Okay, what kind of stuff did you like in the magazines? You had a little bit of time to go through them. I think the the design is impressive. 
there, there seems to be a certain house style in terms of layout and so on, but there doesn't appear to be a house style in terms of actual sub-editing, and there seems to be some sort of awful mistakes here and there as well. For example, there's one issue here where they've actually reprinted the same article on the following page. Right. Giza, what do you think? You look like quite a stylish young lady. (laughs) Was there anything stylish and appealing about Uh, these publications? Not in the Muslim news, actually. (laughs) I I I actually didn't like it that much because it was heavy political, so... And it repeated the same things over and over again. But I like ML. What do you like about ML? The best thing about ML was that I like the picture in front of it, Anila. And it was interesting for me that she doesn't have hijab. Mm. Because usually when you don't wear hijab, I sometimes when I go out, go out with other Muslims, I, I think, do they judge me because, because I I'm don't not wearing wear hijab yeah. yet? Would you buy it? Yeah, I think, yeah. It's like it was attached to real problems that our generation have, so it was nice. Okay, if you were to buy a publication that had a sort of strong Muslim content, or maybe not religious content, but was aimed at Muslims, what would make you buy it? What would it need to have? Uh, Asma? Um, I think it needs to have like an interesting mix of, you know, culture, politics, things we would go to another magazine, you know, mainstream magazines to read anyway, but just, you know, with the Muslim context that is specific to being a Muslim in, in Britain. Omar? It would have to be something, I, I think, that would have stronger cultural contents, perhaps a, a greater emphasis on books and better, sharper, um, more appealing political content. Same. Well, I'd like to see something that celebrates Muslims a little Mm. bit more. And even in articles here, it seems to be if someone's done something wrong, it's a defense of them immediately. You know, the cartoon protests, for example, or or, uh, whatever it may be. Okay, thanks a lot. Thanks for joining us, guys. Okay, so we've been chatting quite a lot about ML Magazine. It's a lifestyle, it's monthly, it's glossy. I went off to talk to Sarah Joseph, who's the editor. I asked her to tell me a bit more about the magazine and its values. We try to present within the parameters of um, a Muslim framework, so we don't run pieces on, you know, Muslim barman, for example. But at the end of the day, we're covering real Muslims and real lives, warts and all. So we do cover a very wide range of topics. And because we're a lifestyle magazine, we cover an awful lot of cultural stuff. So arts, music, design, architecture, fashion, in, in those types of ways. It's a very interesting and eclectic range. How do you balance the cultural and religious parts of the magazine with the obvious political side that comes with being a Muslim in Britain? If we cover current affairs, and we do uh, do current affairs in ML, we tend to do it from people perspectives. So how are people affected by being arrested under the Terrorism Act? How are people or children affected by having their fathers arrested? But we have a much broader range than politics because obviously politics, Islam and Muslims tend to be seen just in two realms, if you like. One is the political, another is the sort of religious dogma. And whilst, you know, there is prayer and fasting and we cover all of that, again, from a people perspective, and whilst there is politics, which we do cover, there's a whole way of life of normal people going about their daily lives. It's about showcasing those people. Who is the ML reader? Oh, he's a very diverse reader. He and she, um, it's, it's men and women, a cross-section of the British public, not all Muslims. We've got subscribers in 30 countries distributed in the US, Middle East, uh, Southeast Asia. How do you balance between 
preaching to the converted, if you like, and assuming absolutely no knowledge. Well, hopefully we're never preaching because there's nothing worse than being preached to. I think it's about exploring humanity and, and human interest stories and they can be explored regardless of, of, of sort of prior knowledge, if you like, because you've got prior knowledge of being a human being and how you respond as a human being. We don't take for granted that people will know words. Things like Ramadan, yes, people know it's a month of fasting, but if it's the, the Fajr prayer, I'd, we would write dawn prayer. Um, just to make it that little bit more accessible to a wide range of audience so you're not shutting people out. You're the first Muslim lifestyle magazine in Britain. Would you describe yourself like that? I think, to be honest with you, we're the first Muslim lifestyle magazine globally um, in the sense that when we were creating it, most people were like, Muslim lifestyle magazine, what's that? Um, I think when we created the magazine, most people didn't even think it was possible. And after we created the first edition, people just didn't think there'd be a second. Um, we're now creating our 31st edition four years down the road and sort of survived all of those kind of sceptic. It, it's a very different way of presenting, I think, faith in a, in a climate that is quite hostile and at the end of the day what we're tr not trying to be is defensive Sarah Joseph the editor of ML magazine joining me in the studio is Sunny Hundle a media pundit who writes extensively for the national press on race and cultural issues and on the line from New York we have writer and commentator Safraz Manzor hello to you both hi how are you doing hi there Sarfraz, let's start with you. What do you think these magazines are trying to achieve? I think they're probably trying to achieve media careers for the people who work in them. Um, I think they're probably also trying to... I think they probably sense that there is a market for Muslims who aren't feeling that there is anything other than a negative portrayal of them in the mainstream media, and they're probably thinking, you know, we can sort of tap that specific area. I, I personally am quite suspicious of it because it seems to me that if you start defining yourself not only just by your interests or the things that are your interests or your politics or your passions, but only just by your religion and therefore the kind of cultural thing you consume is entirely refracted through your religion, I find that a slightly problematic thing. I mean, I don't read any of the magazines that I was just hearing about. The reason being, because if I want to read about something, I want to read about it from people who are thinkers about it, who know about it, and I don't think that just being Muslim should be necessarily a qualification for buying any particular magazine. Sunny, who reads these magazines? Well, I think there's a market there because people are interested in those issues in a slightly more nuanced way. I don't, I don't think the national papers do cover Muslim issues as well as, say, for example, I mean, I'm a, I'm a fan of a Q News magazine, and some of the stuff that you read in there, you know, you would not expect that in a national newspaper, I think. And, and I say that because in a, in, a, in a Muslim magazine such as that, what you can do is you can have that self-criticism, you, you can explore the boundaries of, you know, what's going on without having to feel defensive all the time. And obviously, we are in an environment where terrorism is everything, so a lot of the coverage and issues around Muslims in the mainstream media is only around terrorism and I think that some of these magazines want to explore that bit further but you know there's a difference between them I mean there is a difference between Islamic Q news and Muslim news magazine uh, uh, newspaper so you can't sort of lump them all together. Safraz do you think magazines like Q news and Emil are for a certain kind of Muslim sort of middle class yuppie Muslims maybe? I think one of the problems is that the vast majority of Muslims are living lives which are predominantly working class. Their, their parents are probably going to be in manual labor. 
you know, they're not going to be necessarily going to be sort of aspirational in the same sense as some of what the magazines that you're referring to are. And, what I, and there isn't necessarily a problem with having an aspirational Muslim magazine. I guess my point is that the center of gravity in terms of the actual lives and the actual interests lived by most Muslims isn't quite where these magazines are at. So it seems like it's a slightly skewed and perhaps distorted portrait that they're making of what it means to be a Muslim for most people in Britain. What would you put in a Muslim magazine? Um, how much religious content would you have? Our students felt that the magazines were aimed at practicing Muslims rather than secular Muslims. Yeah, that's a really good point. I guess the thing is, it's a bit like what I would probably want is things that I don't hear enough of. So I feel like I do hear quite a lot of Muslim stuff, and maybe not just in the mainstream media, but also on websites. You know, it's not like you can't get different views out. What I would like is something that takes risks and tries to sort of subvert things. For example, you know, I would like to ask, is it possible to be, made to be a Muslim and a patriot? You know, I would like to explore issues of belonging. And, and not, I think what happens is that it's very easy to sort of feel like all that Muslims happen in the mainstream media is negative. Therefore, we're going to give a totally positive and praiseworthy issue or take on something. And what I would like is slightly more crunchy thinking about some of the difficult issues. Uh, not only just the Muslim magazines, but ethnic media in general has become much more defensive in recent years where everything is about, oh, we have to defend the community. And I think this is where the problem lies, that then they become parallel conversations. One, mainstream media is always about this is what's going wrong. Ethnic media is always about, oh, you know, we're so great, there's no problems. They're no, overcompensating Exactly. In a way. So, yes, there needs to be a lot more self-criticism. And I think the ethnic media, whether that be based on racial lines or religious lines, they have to push the boundaries because, you know, there's no need to feel uh, under attack all the time because you're and in I a closed you, environment. I think, the, I think the interesting thing about that is what you just said before about the fact that if you're doing it inside what you might call the ethnic media or the specialist media, it could be perhaps done with more openness and with more honesty yeah. than, in a sense, doing it in the mainstream media where you might feel like slightly embarrassed or slightly exposed for doing it. So there is almost a greater responsibility in those magazines and those newspapers to discuss things a bit more openly and not just revert back to victimhood and not just revert back to the old arguments about media bias and it's always somebody else's fault. And what I would like is for the, main, for the conversation that takes place inside Muslim magazines to be more honest and more self-critical so therefore the front and the message that gets out to the mainstream media thus becomes one which, is, which, go, which extends beyond simple answers and, and simple excuses. I think if you look at key news there is a lot of that and that's why you know, I like that magazine and there is a lot of self-criticism, there is a lot of uh, you know, slight digs at community leaders and, and questioning the sort of the, the normal stuff that comes out in, in the wider messages. So yeah, I, I don't think the picture is that clear that, that, not, that every single Muslim out there is only being very defensive and not being self-critical. Safraz and Sunny, Sunny and Safraz, thanks for your time. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. So we've heard that Muslim magazines, in this country anyway, can be defensive and contain a mishmash of culture, politics and analysis. It doesn't sound like a great way to pass the time on a train journey, but it's unsurprising in the current climate, which, let's face it, has been current for a very long time. Thankfully, it's not like this everywhere. In Pakistan, for example, there are loads of magazines, many of them aimed at women, which are a curious mix of teachings from the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, romantic short stories, beauty tips and Bollywood gossip. Joining us from Islamabad is our man in Pakistan, Declan Walsh. Declan, what are the big reads over there? 
Well, like you were saying, Riazat, there's, there's actually quite a good variety of magazines here. Um, you have the uh, the women's press that you m mentioned. You also have a very large Urdu language press, of course, because that's the, the language for most people here. And then you have minority magazines that you, you might think you'd get here. Um, there's, for instance, the Pakistani version of Hello magazine, which is called, which is called Good Times, and that features <laughs> lots of glossy pictures of the you know the wealthy and the famous and the models and all these people um you know uh, drinking glasses of seven up at sort of social functions is there any sort of a, is there a religious sector if you like i mean is there something like madrasa monthly the the religious publications that you tend to see fall into two categories you have religiously or conservatively minded Urdu newspapers, of which there's quite a few, and then you also have other forms of media that madrasa people may use. For instance, uh, DVDs are incredibly popular, so that's also a very important sort of means of communication for them. So what are the big stories knocking around in Pakistan? Well, the huge story at the moment is the deposal, if you like, uh, of the Chief Justice, um, Iftikhar Muhammad Chowdhury. Last Friday, the President, Pervez Musharraf, called him to his office and um, told uh, Mr. Chowdhury that, effectively, that he didn't have a job anymore. And today there's been um, hundreds of lawyers protesting on the streets around the country. What was this man's particular crime? He must have done something to annoy President Musharraf. We're not clear. Um, the rumours that are coming out is that he's been fired for reasons of corruption uh, because his son had gotten a job he shouldn't have and he had taken a gift of an expensive car that he shouldn't have. But what people, analysts and so on, are really saying is that this man has been taken out of action because um, he's made some decisions the government wasn't happy with over the last number of months and that now, of course, we're facing into a very difficult year for President Musharraf and he wanted to have someone in the head of the Supreme Court who would um, you know, be favourable to him. OK, thanks a lot, Declan. Nice to talk to you, Razak. All right, take care. So thanks to Declan Walsh in Islamabad, to our studio students from SOAS and to Sunny Hundle and Safraz Manzoor. That was Islamophonic. It was produced by Francesca Panetta and it was presented by me, Riazat Bhatt. Wa alaikum assalam and jazakallah for listening and until next week, stay halal. Guardian Unlimited.